Nikumbula leo mini Ijeli nolisi Sikuwaka ngezo tandu Awafana belusile Umama yekita Awafana besenga Unadikaya langi Aumpamam Nikumbula leo mini Ijeli nolisi Sikuwaka ngezo tandu Awafana belusile Umama yekita Awafana besenga Unadikaya langi Aumpamam Shamba tiliga mazi betinyo ni maitule mtini Kuna dikaya dami ampabam Shamba tiliga mazi betinyo ni maitule mtini Kuna dikaya dami ampabam Hivo mutandalako Hivo musawa kutondi Hivo mutandalako Imbobe The subject today is Zimbabwe and beyond, believe it or not. My wife and I just returned from the trip of a lifetime. December was our 25th year, a concluding of 25th year to serve here as pastor for 25 years full-time. And uh, it was also our 40th wedding anniversary, the turn of the year there. So February, Yvette and I began to make plans to go back to her homeland to research our roots, where our relationship began, where she began, uh, where God gave me this jewel, this Jewish girl from Southern Africa, Salisbury, Rhodesia at the time. Turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 1. This paper I have in my hand is um, 
a two-sided affair that's folded in half. The outside on both sides is our plans for the 14 days we were in the land. We are gone for 19 days, jam-packed, so full that we feel like we've been gone for a month. Inside is a bucket list of all the things I wanted to do along the way. Food I wanted to eat, you can tell I got some of this, so uh, anyway. <laughs> Addresses and people and things like that. So um, I would pray that anyone here that has roots in another land that you're able to go back and check it out and visit it and celebrate and reminisce on how you got together. All right, is there any young person here that would like to be a billionaire? Really? You want, to, you want that kind of responsibility? Um, all right, who's the youngest? Who's the youngest that raised their hand? Well, I think, I think Miss Garcia. Come on up. This is what happens when a country starts printing money and doesn't stop. Before they canceled their currency, four American cents was worth 100 Zimbabwe trillion dollars. This is now worthless. It's a $50 billion bill. There was a time when everybody in that land, kind of like everybody won the lottery, everybody was a billionaire. What's scary to me is America is kind of leaning this way. Thank you. What's scary to me, you know, with our deficit, our government's out of control spending, we just can't stop. That I, I read in the press recently, they think they can print 8% money that's not backed up by products and get away with it. Man, that's a slippery slope. We start going down that. We'll be calling the Zimbabweans. All right, how did you guys make it? Millions of them left the country to go to other countries and work and send money back home. The lines at the Western Union offices were like blocks long, people waiting on money sent to them. When the currency was canceled, it was obviously devastating. I mean, one church had five million U.S. dollars equivalency in the bank. So it was in the quadrillions of their dollars. And when the currency got canceled, that church lost all that money. Kaput. Done. How do you survive? Well, Zimbabwe has bounced back. We were kind of afraid to go there years ago. And now, man, it's, it reminds me of English-speaking Mexico in a lot of ways without the cartels going on. We're very blessed while we were there to be driven around by this young man, Christian Muzarewa. He is the grandson of the first black prime minister, Abel Muzarewa. When the country transitioned from Rhodesia to Zimbabwe, there was this period where they were Zimbabwe-Rhodesia. His grandfather, who's now deceased, was the prime minister at that time. And there he is with his mother, Aileen, who was kind of our tour guide, told him shortcuts to take our navigator, our great help. We are very blessed. If you guys watch this video, thank you for your help for us. It wouldn't have been the same without you. Getting off the plane, we met them after we got our luggage. Walking out of the airport, we were surprised by this. think, oh, typical tourist stuff. No, not in Harare. In fact, their version of the, they call them the C-10s, the CIO, their version of the FBI had an agent there at the airport that pulled Christian to the side and said, now, who are those people? I'd like to speak to you today on Zimbabwe and beyond, talking about things personal, 
things local, that is the city of Harare, the capital, former, formerly Salisbury, Rhodesia, things national, that is the nation of Zimbabwe, and then things global, that is where we fit into things of what God's doing in the earth. So first of all, we'll start with things personal after we read our text today. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the good news of the Messiah. For it, that is the good news, is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Tell somebody, everybody. Tell someone else, everyone means you're the one. For the Jew first, and also for the Greek, the non-Jew. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. We are saved by faith in the person and finished works of the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. Can I get an amen? Lord, I pray right now that you give us hearts to hear what you want us to hear today from these brief stories. Help it to make sense and help us to leave here inspired to do our part in what you'd have us to do in the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so first of all, personal. In 1976, October of 76, my three brothers and my parents arrived in Salisbury, Rhodesia, now Harare, Zimbabwe, to plant a church. Our desire was to be the first interracial church of any kind. The nation was pretty segregated at that time, not exactly like apartheid, but still pretty segregated. Uh, the Europeans were really hard to reach. Here is an advertisement of my brothers and I singing, and the primary place we wound up meeting was a scout hall, which was in a European neighborhood. They were hard to reach because they lived behind fences, behind gates, and they had big dogs. So I would knock on doors, inviting people to church with invitations in one pocket and dog biscuits in the other. <laughs> Here, Fido. And I'll never forget one house. The guy said, no, thank you, and closed the door. And I turned around, and then I heard the door open. And I turned back around thinking maybe he changed his mind. And no, he was letting out two big coon dogs. And then he shut the door. I thought, oh, nice coon dogs. And then I realized... Uh, in Zimbabwe or Rhodesia, they don't trim the ears of their Dobermans and they don't clip their tails. These big coon dogs were actually Doberman pinchers. So thank the Lord I wasn't out of, wasn't out of dog biscuits yet, but I needed to go back to the car and replenish. This is a scout hall where we met on Sunday nights and uh, Tuesday nights. Friday nights, my brothers and I, you know, being single guys, I was 20 and my brothers were in their teens. We would visit other churches hoping for an opportunity to sing. The country was somewhat entertainment-starved, and we would often get invitations to sing. And one particular Friday night, we visited Highlands Presbyterian Church. We just happened to be around the corner from the house where we were staying on this trip. Isn't that amazing? And this is where I met the girl of my dreams. So we had to revisit the place, not just the place, but the spot. They were outside having tea after a youth service. My brothers and I were inside on the stage with the musicians playing guitars and singing, and she walks in the door, and I stopped singing for the first time in my life. I walked up and introduced myself to a girl, 
hello, my name is Alan. We did some reenactment videos for my kids, so have no fear, we're not going to put you through that. We even reenacted. <laughs> we even visited the place of our first kiss, which was like three months later. We're not going to reenact that we've, we've, uh, for you, and it is on the video for our kids. Yvette started coming to the scout hall, to our church. Notice the word was. <laughs> we would show you pictures of our houses, but now because of the economic disaster they've been through, all the nice houses have walls around them. You can't even see them. So we don't want to take pictures. I guess we could go to Google Earth, but that would be too much like a property tax protest hearing to look at the tops of the houses we lived in. But in, during that year, we, we met on January 21st of 77. We were married January 21st of 78. During that year, Yvette's family sold their house and moved into just her and her parents. They moved into these apartments that are just as nice today, if not nicer than they were when she lived there. I did a reenactment video here too, which I won't show you. Here I am telling you things I'm not going to show you. Of me stepping into, the, uh, stepping into the elevator to push button eight to go up to see someone who lived in apartment number 802. I invited Yvette on a special date. It was a Friday night. I said, let's fast this day and prepare ourselves spiritually for this night and wear your best dress. And she, she had this gorgeous uh, dress with feathers printed on it, uh, kind of a fuchsia white dress with fuchsia feathers. Oh, don't get me into colors, all right? We went to the Meekles Hotel, which is still there and functioning, and yes, we did visit it. And we had dinner at this nice uh, restaurant there called La Fontaine, and yes, we did eat there. And after dinner, we walked across the street to a park where there was a fountain that's not functioning right now. <laughs> but it is the GPS position of where I popped the question after my first question. My first question was, if you could go anywhere in the world with me, would you go? She said, yes. And I said, good. Will you marry me? And she said, yes. Well, we visited that place and did a little reenactment video there as well, which we won't show you. <laughs> we did some exploring downtown, found where she used to work, which is a whole other story, and came back to the hotel to eat, only to find a party right on the grounds of this park. Dancing a concert. It was awesome. Just for Then we went across the street into Meekles and had our dinner at the Fontaine. Come December, a baby was on the way. It's not a sin to be pregnant, but sin can make you pregnant. Pregnancy can be the consequence of sin, which ended my career as a missionary. And on January 21st of 78, we were married at this church.
Emmanuel Church. It's now a much bigger church. It's called River of Life. In fact, this is their educational building now, but at the time it was their auditorium. After our wedding, we went to the Meekles Hotel to spend the night. A bit of trivia there is we actually had rooms reserved, a room reserved at a cheaper motel. And when we arrived there, they uh, had lost our reservation. So we went to Miko's, pled our case, and got to spend the night there. The next day, we rode a van through that gorgeous territory. Wasn't that beautiful road trip that the videos were from? Uh, from, from Harare to a place called Inyanga to a resort called Trotbeck. We got to visit that for a couple days on this trip as well. Two months later, we were at the airport. My sister and her husband had arrived to serve in Zimbabwe for almost, Zimbabwe and Southern Africa as missionaries for almost four years. In fact, in 81, their daughter, Angela, they've all been here, was born in Zimbabwe. So here we are at the airport. There's yours truly. There's Yvette. There's her godmother, Joyce. Uh, there's her mother, Edna. Uh, she was with us when this church began 20-some years ago. And then her childhood friend who lived across the street, Debbie Baldichin, she lives in London. That got to go see her for her 50th birthday. Then above me is a Greek guy named Costa. We don't know what happened to him. Next to him is Tudor Bismarck. We did not know the destiny that was going to be his as he grew into be a mighty man of God, a shaker of that nation. And then beside him is a Jewish guy named Simon Schiff, who is... Uh, Yvette went to school with him. He would show up at her house after school every day for tea, and he would smoke cigarettes. Sorry, Simon. Um, he works at Skunk Works, that secret aeronautical design place out on the West Coast, and comes to Fort Worth once or twice a year. Sometimes Yvette and I get to see him uh, to do some work at Lockheed. He calls himself a real African-American. And yes, folks, I did find the end of the rainbow, and my pot of gold was a girl. So that's just a bit of the personal. I mean, we could fill up, fill up the day with personal stuff. Now the local. What is God doing in Harare? What happened to the little congregation that was planted in the scout hall? Well, my parents served there for 10 years. Uh, my brothers were just there for two, three months after I came home. They came home, and my sister and her husband, Greg and Gayla Holly, were there serving for several years. And so while there, my father built this magnificent church building. Seats 400 people. It's an amazing uh, structure. And before leaving, they placed this man, Tudor Bismarck, as the pastor. And he developed into an incredible speaker, in demand internationally, only to result in him leaving the denomination and being taken to court, and he and the congregation we planted were kicked out of the building. And there has been no blessing on any congregation using that place ever since. It's really kind of a tragedy, but who knows tragedies lead to blessings, right? The congregation grew to where we witnessed a new members class that would have pretty much filled up that building, graduation on our first Sunday gone. So eventually, they bought property right in the heart of downtown, right where all the buses and the vans go. It's a very noisy place, but it's where people are. 
And there they have their offices and meeting place uh, where they meet on Sundays three times every Sunday morning, 7 a.m., 9 a.m., 11 a.m. And they have church, let me tell you. And they are having an impact not only in Zimbabwe, but also in other countries around the world, even including Europe and the state. Here's those members. I just put my, my, my camera on that wide shot. It was over 150 people, like five rows of, of folks lined up to receive their diploma and exhortation, having completed six weeks of membership classes. Here's just a taste of the worship months they rent out a bigger place so they can have all three services together. This place was very significant to us personally because uh, when I was living in Rhodesia, John Ankerberg, who's heard of him, Christian TV personality, had a crusade in that very place. In fact, it's so significant, that's where kind of where Yvette and I had our first fight. I almost lost her. Yeah, so it was awesome to worship the Lord and, and uh, celebrate 40 years of relationship. It was, a, it was an awesome time to be there because they were celebrating finally the acquisition of their land where they can build their own building. Yesterday they had their groundbreaking with a tent set up with 5,000 seats under the tent for a groundbreaking to build their first church. Ironically, it's going to be visible from the old building anyway. Interesting. While there, they really honored us. They put that old poster up on their screens, and Tudor did some reminiscing of the starting of the church. So that's a bit of what's happening locally in Harare. They're continuing. Not only were they the church that lost the $5 million, they lost over 4,000 members who had to go to other countries. So it's almost like they, they were forced to send out missionaries to other countries, to minister for the Lord where they are, to make, to make living. So um, you never know what comes out of little things. 
You never saw this in that scout hall that had seats for children. That's what we sat on. Now let's talk about national. How does our church have anything to do with that? Well, two of our members, my wife Yvette and Cindy Neal, went to a Seed Sowers Prayer Summit in Victoria Falls at the Elephant Hills Resort where 300 intercessors from around Zimbabwe were offered an opportunity to come to a free conference where they prayed over all the different sectors of society for hours. Some of the prayer meetings were 12 hours long over a three-day period. During that time, they prayed some really big prayers. And Yvette got to share about this prayer meeting at the church we just showed you the worship from, New Life Covenant Church there in the arena. Here she is. On January 1st, 2009, I got a phone call from another Zimbabwean. It was a divine appointment, and he told me that they were going to be having a seed sowers prayer summit at Victoria Falls in the middle of the year, and would I be interested in going? Suddenly, the zeal of God began to fill my heart and a love and a desire to see Zimbabwe changed began to rule me. I said, yes, I want to go. And the Lord told me that I would be a part of seeing this nation restored. So at the Seed Sowers Prayer Summit, we met with 300 Zimbabweans from all sectors of society. And there was a delegation of about 15 Texans that came in with me. We prayed with them. We worshipped. We were in 12-hour intercessory prayer meetings. And during that time, there was much prophecy, and the Lord allowed me to prophesy. And these were the words that came through my mouth in 2009. Can a nation be changed in a day? Yes, it can. Can a nation be changed in a day? <laughs> and I prophesied through the grace of God that when that day came, there would be dancing in the streets all around the nation without any bloodshed, and there would be much joy. filled with encouragement I came home and I began to share with other people my Rhodesian friends from back in the day my Zimbabwean friends and they all said it's never gonna happen forget about it it's never gonna happen I said yes it is you will see that a nation can be changed in a day that the government will change and there was also a word about a flag that that flag would take on new meaning Everybody wearing a flag right now, stand up, please. Stand up if you are wearing a flag. Stand up if you are wearing a scarf. Stand up if you are waving a flag. Has this flag taken on a new meaning? Yeah, absolutely. Has it brought your nation together? Has it said, with this flag, we can be Zimbabweans and we can see our nation changed? Thank you so much. Have a seat. Hallelujah.
that have been prayed around the world for this nation. Untold millions of people have been praying. You have never been here. People who have had a heart to see this nation restored. I want you to know, you are not alone. You are not alone. The eyes of the world are upon you. You are not alone. I've placed my heart in the hearts of my people all around the world. I've placed your heart in the hearts of my people. You are not alone. One more thing with all the prayers that happened, and then that one day came and everybody was so surprised. I want you to know that was November 15th. It was my birthday. <laughs> God's greatest gift to me. Such an honor to be with you. Thank you. The eyes of the world are on my nation. You represent part of that. There will be a day when you will see Zimbabwe in the news quite a bit. Right now it's a rocky transition. But we believe through the words spoken at the Seed Sowers Prayer Summit in 2009 at Elephant Hills in Victoria Falls. Cindy Neal was with me. Would you please stand, Cindy? Could you please honor this woman? She was my armor bearer, my intercessor, my pal, who traveled with me across the world with, with uh, 13 other Texans to see a nation begin to be birthed in the spirit. And it took nine years to see that word fulfilled. So on the screen right now, you see the man who has come into power. And there's a, a little controversy over that. We just hope that that smooths, smooths out. I know that Zimbabwe still has a huge plan on God's timetable. He has a huge plan for that nation. Do you realize Zimbabwe is the last nation noted on the alphabet of nations? And in the Bible, the Bible says, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. And so there will be a day that you will see this nation rise up. And you will see this nation be a place where people will come from all over the world. People will come to my nation for refuge and safety. People will draw strength and encouragement from a nation that has called themselves a nation under God. They have become a desperate people who have cried out to the Lord to say, save us. Save us from the tyranny of a man who ruled their nation for 38 years, Robert Mugabe. He started out well, but power and greed took over this man. And the wealth of my nation, which was considered to be one of the wealthiest in the world when I lived there. In fact, when Alan and his family came, they had to buy Rhodesian dollars with their American dollar. They would pay two American dollars to get one of ours. That's how wealthy my country was. 
A while ago, you saw him hand a note to a sweet little girl. You're a billionaire right now <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> so back to the Seed Sows Prayer Summit. During that time, Cindy and I, along with 300 delegates from all sectors of society, um, medical, engineering, farming, agriculture, education, you name it, the arts, every area, tourism, every area was discussed. And we set up the forums where we were over specific groups. I was over farming. And we listened to the plight of the people and we said, what needs to be done? What's happening and what needs to be done? And we prayed, we wrote down things on that forum and we submitted it to the leadership of that conference and they actually submitted it to the government. But the bottom line was Mugabe needed to go because he, at the time, had shut down all economy with the rest of the world. And so my country, that used to be the breadbasket of Africa, that exported some of the best beef in the world, along with Australia, now no longer had much export of anything. My country is rich and wealthy in so many minerals. It is crazy. There are still hidden deposits that the Lord spoke to me about. He said, I have hidden those deposits so that when the government changes, I will reveal it. Because if I revealed it now, the people in power that were in power for 38 years would have continued to destroy and rape your country. Now the, now the nation is changing, and you will begin to see how amazing this piece of land that God set aside to be a sign and a wonder in the end days will rise up to be this beautiful jewel that shines for him with diamonds and gold and every kind of precious stone you could imagine. Oil, it's crazy. It's gonna be an end time player on the world market, you will see. Those were some of the things that I prophesied when I was there in 2009. Something else that, that the Lord allowed me to prophesy was not only can a nation be changed in a day, but that that nation would be restored to be the breadbasket of Africa again. That's actually become one of the slogans that this man who came into power began to declare, returning Zimbabwe to its breadbasket status. That was a fulfillment of 2009. There is a scripture that talks about a nation being birthed in a day. And so during that time of prayer that we were in, I had everybody to get up and I said, you will see that it is a sign and a wonder when everyone in the nation begins to dance in the streets. There'll be a change in the government, there'll be no bloodshed, and it'll be a smooth transition on that one day. That happened last year on November 15th, my birthday. I was just overwhelmed. Nobody expected it. And like I said on the video, I came home and began to share, God's going to do amazing things in Zimbabwe. He's going to restore the nation. The nation's going to be changed in a day. You're going to see it. And my friends, forget about it. It's never going to happen. Zimbabwe's gone to the dogs. It is over. I'm like, no, it's not. You will see this happen. And Cindy and I and others, thank you, Debbie Waits, and those of you who stood in the gap for us while we were gone, praying and interceding for us every day on our trip. 
so many of us began to contend and say it's going to happen. And the Lord did a sovereign work. There was a coup that was not a coup on November 15th. Mugabe was taken out of power by the, by the army. The, the military were driving through the streets and people began to dance and dance all over the nation. Not, a shed, not one drop of blood was shed on, on that day. That was a miracle for Africa because typically there's lots of that going on. So that was an amazing thing. The flag was another thing that was prophesied uh, at the Seed Sowers Prayer Summit, that it would take on new meaning. At the time, we had no idea that there would be a, a movement that would begin in 2016 by a man named Evan Mawiri. He began to say, can this flag represent a new day? And people began to wear the flag. They would buy massive amounts of flags and literally wear them around their backs, declaring there's going to be a day when we as Zimbabweans, not different tribes, not different nations, we as Zimbabweans would see our nation change. We saw that come to pass. Something else that the Lord allowed me to prophesy that day was that Zimbabwe in the end times would be one of only a few nations that would stand with Israel. The United States and Zimbabwe might be the only nations that stand with Israel in the coming days. Yeah. The Lord said it is very important that Zimbabwe stays aligned with Israel, that we even have an Israeli embassy, and that when the time comes, we will actually pay a tithe to Israel. I don't know how that works, but there would be an amount of money from the wealth that comes from our nation to give back, to bless Israel. For the Lord says that I will bless those who bless Israel, and I will curse those who curse Israel. Little did I know that the eyes of the Lord were on my country for an, another reason that none of us knew about, the Limba people. We discovered in 2012 that there was a tribe of lost, uh, a Jewish lost tribe called the Limba people. They exist in my country, Zimbabwe, and in South Africa. So. I didn't know this, not knowing in 2009 our country must be aligned with Israel, not knowing that the purest tribe on the planet dwelt in my nation. Wow. Wow. Thousands have given their life to Jesus. So now I know that God's eyes there, his, his eyes are on the whole world, his eyes are on the U.S., but his eyes have a special place in Zimbabwe because he has a special tribe there that belong to his heart. I'm just so thankful to have been able to experience that, to have been able to be a part of the Seed Sowers Prayer Summit with Cindy, to be able to contend for nine years to see these prophetic words come to pass that look totally impossible. Thank you so much. Thank you, babe. Thank you. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In 2012, Jonathan Burnus, 
You can see him on Christian TV. He's on every week. Jewish Voice Ministries. He also talks about the Limba people. Had a medical outreach, and in one day, thousands became believers. They'd held to the dietary laws, and so the revulsion of pork kind of kept a lot of them separated from Christians, as well as attracted a lot of them to mosques because, you know, Islam is against pork as well. And so uh, here is a Messianic Jewish Bible Institute video, a ministry we've supported since it began in 1994, uh, equipping Jews for ministry to plant Messianic congregations. Here's their report on the Limba people. In the 8th century BC, as noted by historians and the Bible in 1 Kings, the Assyrian Empire conquered the northern kingdom of Israel, captured its people, and dispersed them over Assyrian territory. Historians say some were killed, many were blended into other cultures, and others fled. Thus began the tradition of the lost tribes of Israel. Lemba oral tradition passed on through generations says they came from the rabbinical tribe, the Levites. The Lemba say they fled their original home and traveled to Sena in modern-day Yemen where they became traders and craftsmen until they were forced to escape war or natural disaster. This drove the Lemba across the Red Sea to Africa. During their journey down the African continent, tradition says the Lemba built great cities of stone. This is where science comes in. Archaeologists have verified the existence of these cities. In addition, at these stone city sites, many artifacts have been discovered. These facts are a direct tied to the oral tradition handed down by generations of Lemba. Tribes all over Africa have kept their traditions and customs, but the Lemba are like no other tribe. Strict adherence to Jewish customs have been watched over by Lemba rabbis. Despite losing their original Torah on the journey from Israel to Zimbabwe, all oral teachings and traditions have been maintained. The same kind of oral teaching described in the Old Testament. Dietary laws, including kosher standards and restrictions on meat, are obeyed. Circumcision. Intermarriage has been strictly forbidden to preserve the culture and bloodline. Traditional rabbinical clothing is worn. In a place thousands of miles away from Israel, detached from all Jewish culture, these African Jews who call themselves original Hebrews are committed to their way of life that has been passed down generation to generation. Eventually, DNA testing advanced to the point where the Lemba's claims could be put to the scientific test. University of London scholar Dr. Tudor Parfit swabbed a cross-section of Lemba tribe members, and the results were astounding. The Y chromosome, passed on by many males in the population, proved to contain the Cohen modal haplotype. Among Jews, the CMH marker is most prevalent among Kohanim, or hereditary priests. In addition, this marker is one that only emanates from the Middle East. It is not found in any identifiable African roots. Even more astounding are the following stats. The CMH marker shows up in 50% of the Lemba tested, 
The same marker shows up only three to 5% of the time in the general Jewish population. What could be tradition lost in generations of translation has proven to be quite the opposite. Stories passed on generation after generation backed up by scientific proof. The Lemba are indeed astonishing. Some claim they are one of the lost tribes of the original Israel. Others say they are another piece needed to assemble the puzzle of Jews scattered all over the world until Israel became a nation again. MJBI learned of the Lemba and has been involved on the ground with them since 2012. At that time, there were no messianic congregations in amongst the Lemba. Today, just five years later, there are now 72 congregations of people meeting on the Sabbath to worship Yeshua, the Messiah, each of them led by some of the 140 MJBI Lemba graduates. God is faithful to his ancient promises. He is regathering his covenant people from the corners of the earth in preparation for the return of the Messiah. MJBI exists to train leaders for this great restoration around the world. Because every revival has influential leaders and every influential leader has been equipped. So that video is over a year old. Now there's over 90 congregations. They could possibly have close to 100 by the end of the year. And there's around 300 graduates of the Bible school. So God is doing great things. Why is this significant to us? You'll see in a minute. First of all, here is one of the campuses. It's actually a man's home place, uh, the teacher's home place that they use for a campus where 10 students are attending presently. See the solar panel, they also have a generator. They also have a, imagine a steel cage with a handle on it where they put hot coals and that's how they keep warm because it can get cold. So we were able to sit in a class where they reviewed their material in English and Shona, uh, review the material for a test that was coming that day. So I got a synopsis of everything they learned this semester. And let me tell you, straight on, right down the middle of the road, New Testament Christianity. They're not confused by the covenants. They understand Jesus and the gospel clearly. So I am so encouraged. Here we are with um, the students. And then the rest of the people present um, with their children. The man who's the teacher, whose house, whose property this is on, his name Robert, Mutezu, so he's one of 10 coordinators for the 10 uh, Bible schools. And then another man, we'll see his picture in a minute. He's in the ready shirt there by a vet. His name is Tawanda Mziziwa, and he oversees the 10 schools. Now, this is ironic, interesting. In the late 80s and early 90s, guess where he worshiped every Sunday night? New Life Church. Yeah. Pretty wild. Why is this significant? 
In Romans 11, Paul is talking about Jews who've turned away from Christ and for Gentiles to not look down on them, but to respect them because in their turning away from Christ, tens of thousands of Jews were believers, but in the rest of Jewish culture rejecting Christ, the emphasis of the church in evangelism now was to Gentiles because the gospel is to the Jew first and also to Gentiles. So in turning to the Gentiles, our forefathers were blessed, were we not? So if their transgression, that's their rejection of the gospel, you can read the context later in Romans 11. If their transgression is riches for the world and their failure is riches for the Gentiles, that's kind of Hebrew poetry. They'll say the same thing twice. Their transgression is riches for the world. Their failure is riches for the non-Jews. How much more will their fulfillment be? In other words, if their rejection of the gospel has blessed us, because now the attention is focused on us, when they return to their Messiah, how much more blessed are we going to be? If their rejection has brought blessing, what will their acceptance bring, right? Next sentence. But I am speaking to you who are Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle, that is a sent one, a missionary to Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If somehow I might move to jealousy my fellow countrymen and save son of the, some of them. What is this jealousy? It's not the green jealousy, but it's, it's a desire for what you have too. Like, well, I want some of that. We experienced that a little bit in the scout hall. Jewish mother sat through the service and wept, was deeply touched. She was moved to jealousy. And you know what her conclusion was? We thought it was going to be, I need Jesus. No, we need a new rabbi. <laughs> if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be from life from the dead? More Jews are believers in Yeshua as their Messiah today than in the history of the world. What does this mean? It means better days are coming for the church. Doesn't mean less problems, but more victory, more overcoming, more great things are happening. Because of this, I want you to get your faith up, get your hopes up. Stop looking down on yourself. Stop selling yourself short because of inferiority or because some mistake that you made in the past. You're looking at a big mistake that was made in the past. But you learn from those things. You get up when a baby falls or the baby just stays laying down, he'll never learn to walk. Get up. You're qualified now to help hurting people. Who knows? Well, it's just a small thing. Who knows what's going to come out of that hut and other huts like that? Who knew what was going to come out of that scout hall? Who knew what was going to come out of Ken and Barbara's house in Hidden Valley? Yes, our church started in a Ken and Barbie house. And who knows what's going to come out of this place? You don't know. So if their rejection has blessed us, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? We'll look back on days like today and say, man, church was dead back then, wasn't it? So if you're hurt, get healed up. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, get rid of it. Anything that would keep you from pursuing God's will with all your heart. Today's not the day to do it. 
Not saying there ever was a day to do it, but today definitely is a day to get over stuff and move forward with the Lord. Amen? This is Tawanda Umziziwa. Looks kind of like Forrest Whitaker and sounds like him too. Brilliant man. Drives an old Mercedes, overseeing 10 Bible schools. Some are in urban settings, more modern facilities, and some are in rural settings. The restroom's a hole in the ground with homework papers nailed to the wall and a bucket of water outside. Tough. The man's excited, full of vision, what God is doing in the earth. So On Beyond Zebra, remember that Dr. Seuss book? On Beyond. God can do great things from you. You can run for school board. Hey, you ought to do that. <laughs> Let's pray as the praise team comes forward. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that we would learn what you've called us to be. And those of us that have sold out our calling for fulfillment of the American dream, Lord, help us to repent and want to do what you want us to do in Jesus' name. Lord, maybe you've called us to do something that nobody else has ever done, and we're, we've been told that idea is crazy, either by our own imagination or by people that we scare. I pray, Lord, you would help us to encourage one another not to run off on our own, but to team up with people, to do great things for your glory and your glory alone. The fame of your name. As we lift you up today, help us, Lord, to focus on what this is all about. Your beautiful name that is the gospel in itself. Yahweh saves Yeshua. Thank you.